That was beautiful. And all God's people said, Amen. thank you so much. I appreciate that. What a beautiful, beautiful song. Turn your Bibles again to 1 Chronicles, please. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Our focus the last several weeks, in fact, this is the 11th of our messages on life-changing biblical principles. These are truths that God can use to literally change the lives of his people when we believe them and then apply them. And I hope that you've been blessed by them. I have two more messages on this series. We'll finish that up on the end of this month of, of November. But last Sunday we began and we talked about the principle of giving. I'd like to do part two on that. And more specifically, I'm going to talk about the principle of giving in the church. The principle of giving in the church. How many have ever found a four-leaf clover? Usually that means that you find, that gives you what? Good luck. I want to talk about God's four-leaf clover, not to give you good luck, but to bring his blessings upon your life. And each one of those leaves has the letter P on it. We're going to talk about that this morning. Four principles of giving in the church. The first one, number one, is God's purpose. God's purpose in giving in the church. God's purpose of giving in the church. In our scripture text, or the context here is David... The Bible said he was a man after God's own heart. David desired God's blessing, God's presence among his people, and he desired to build a temple, a place that God could dwell in the midst of his people. But God told him, no. He says, because you're a man of war, I will not let you do that. So his son Solomon built it. But David, along with his people, gathered together the finances, the materials to build the temple. In this chapter, he had done exactly that, and he's asking a dedication upon the materials that he gathered together for his son to build the temple. And in this, we can learn several things about the things we possess. Let me give you the first of these God's purpose. Number one, letter A, the purpose of giving in the church is to acknowledge God as the owner of all we possess. The purpose of our giving in the church is to acknowledge God as the owner of all that we possess. In 1 Chronicles 29, look in verse 11. Now, if you're using a church Bible, don't do this. But if you have your own Bible, I'd like for you to underline a few phrases we're going to look at here this morning. In chapter 29, verse 11, David said, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Now, underline this next part, please. For all that is in heaven... And in the earth is thine. David is acknowledging that everything in heaven's God, but also everything on this earth belongs to God. That means what you and I have, what we possess, God owns. They belong to him. And David is acknowledging that God's the owner of all that he possessed. In Psalm 24, verse 1, David said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and the world, and they that dwell therein. Everything this earth has belongs to God. Even the earth itself belongs to God. David said in Psalm 50, verse 10, For every beast of the field is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine and the fullness thereof. I like that verse in verse 10. said, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Dr. Curtis Hudson, who is the editor of the Soul Law, one of my favorite preachers, he's in heaven now. He would say, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills and the taters under it. Amen? <laughs> he owns everything. 
Everything you and I have, God owns. He's the owner. When we give to him, we're acknowledging that fact. He's the owner of all that we possess. Let her be. The next purpose for giving in the church is to acknowledge God as the source of all that we have. That God is the source of all that we have. He not only owns all that we possess, he's the source of all that we have. Look in verse 12 of 1 Chronicles, please, chapter 29. He begins in verse 12, he says, Both riches and honor, what? Come of thee. Any honor you receive in life, any riches you receive in life, comes from the Lord. He's the source. Goes on to say, Thou reignest over all, and thy hand is power and might, and thy hand is to make great and to give strength unto all. Verse 14. And who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? That's what he says here. For all things come of thee. Underline that, please. He's the source of everything we have comes from God. Then he goes on to acknowledge the first point, and of thy own have we given thee. I like in the earlier service, a gentleman come to me and says, Pastor, this is not the principle of giving, it's the principle of returning. <laughs> Everything we have belongs to God. Everything we have comes from God. And when we give back to God, we're giving something to his already. Sometimes we want to take all the credit. My friend, it's his already. And so he owns it. He's the source of all we have. Then he acknowledges the same thing again. Look in verse 16, please. The same True two things, the owner and the source. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this store we have we prepared to build thee a house for thy holy name. Notice what he says, cometh thy hand, he's the source, and is all thine own. He's the owner. When we give to God, the purpose of giving is to acknowledge that everything we have, God owns. He's the owner of all we possess. Also, is acknowledged he's the source of all that we have. The third point here, the purpose of giving, is to show and prove our love to God. To show and prove our love for God. We looked at this last week. We'll not spend much time on it. But I want to bring this back up again. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. He said, concerning telling the people of the church of Corinth about giving... He said, I speak not in command, by commandment, by occasion of the foreignness of others, to prove the sincerity of your what? So we give to God to acknowledge him as the source of everything, the owner of all we possess, but also to show and prove our love. He's telling these Corinthian believers, you want to prove your love to God? Give. Giving is a way we do that. Matthew 6, 21, for where your heart, treasure is, there will your heart be also. If our treasure was God, that means our heart is with him. No wonder the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. Because that's where he put his treasure with the Lord. Next one, letter D. The fourth purpose of giving in the church is to deepen our faith in the ability and the faithfulness of God. To deepen our faith in the ability and the faithfulness of our God. Another verse we looked at last week. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth the cheerful giver. Then he says in verse 8, when we give, that God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things. 
So when we give to God, we're acknowledging his ability. I don't know about you, I find great comfort in the fact when I give to God that he's able to bless me. He's able to take care of my needs. It's a, dependent, it's a deep in our faith in God's ability and his faithfulness of God. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've seen God faithful in your life. Even though you continually give, God continues to bless you. He shows his ability to provide your needs and his faithfulness in doing so. Philippians 4, 19. Many of you know the verse. But my God shall supply some of your need according to his riches. Does it say that? I, I'm sorry, I misread that. My God shall supply most of your need. My God shall supply all your need. And when we give, we acknowledge that, that he's able to do that, and he's faithful in doing so. Someone said this, giving is a barometer of our gratitude, devotion, worship, and love to God. Let me say that again. I think it's on the screen for you. Giving is a barometer, a way to measure our gratitude, our devotion, worship, and love to God. So the first of the four-letter, four-leaf clover, one with purpose. Number two, the second leaf, God's portion. God's portion of giving in the church. We saw God's purpose. Now look at God's portion of giving. I believe God's portion of our income is the tithe. That which God blesses me with his portion for me to give back to him, I believe, is the tithe. Now, please listen. A lot of Christians will not agree with that. Some of you may disagree that tithing is for today. Many people believe that tithing is under the law, and uh, that we're not under the law, we're under grace. Anyone who teaches tithing is being legalistic, and if you teach tithing, you're putting people under bondage. I do not believe that. I want to give you three reasons why I believe tithing is the biblical way to give today in the church. Three reasons. I hope you write them down. The first one, biblical examples of tithing in the Old Testament. Biblical examples of tithing in the Old Testament. Go with me now to the first book of your Bible, Genesis, please. Genesis 14. I want to show you why I believe that tithing is God's portion of our income. Tithing is honoring God with 10% of that which he's blessed you with. In Genesis 14, please, verse 18, when you find that, look up here, please. Page 19, if you're using a church Bible, the first book of your Bible. Genesis Genesis 14. The context here is, many of you remember the name of Lot. Lot was the nephew of Abraham. Lot was living in Sodom. Uh, People attacked Sodom, and Lot was taken off captive. He became a captive. His family and all his possessions were taken off in, by, in captivity. And the news came to Abraham. Abraham took his choice servants and came and attacked those who attacked Sodom. And he got Lot back. He got Lot's family back and all his possessions. And on the way back, a high priest of God met him. Met Abraham. This high priest of God was Melchizedek. In Genesis 14, look in verse 18, please. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, verse 20, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thy enemies in thy hand. So God delivered him in battle 
delivered, uh, gave, got back Lot, his possession, everything he had. And on the way back, a high priest of God, Melchizedek, met him and blessed him and blessed God. And notice how Abraham responded to this. The latter part of verse 20. And he, Abraham, gave him what? Tithes of all that he had. Tithing was Abraham's response to God's deliverance. God saved him, delivered him in battle. And the way he responded by giving him 10% of all of the spoil he got in battle. Number two, the second example of the Old Testament was Jacob. Go to chapter 28, please. Chapter 28. Abraham responded to God's salvation deliverance by giving him a tenth of all that he possessed. The spoil he got in battle. Jacob, Genesis 28, was seen that he did the same thing, but for another reason why. When you find Genesis 28, look up here, please. I'm going to give you the background here. But you had more time we could spend on this. You ever heard of Jacob's ladder? This was a dream that Jacob had. In the dream, he saw a ladder reach from the earth all the way to heaven. On the ladder, the angels were ascending, descending on that. He looked at the top of the ladder. He saw God himself. And God spoke to him. And one of the things God said to him, you can read about it in the chapter. But look in verse 15. Look at what he said here. God spoke to Jacob in this dream. Verse 15, Behold, I am with thee. I will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, and I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And notice now Jacob's response. Look in verse 20, please. Response to God's promise. And Jacob, verse 20, Jacob vowed a vow, saying, and notice here, he begins with the word if. The word if can be better translated or different translated by since. He's not saying, questioning God's promise. Basically, he's saying, since God will be with me, that's his presence, and will keep me in this way that I go, his protection, and will give me bread and eat and raiment to put on, that's God's provision. So that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Verse 22, and this stone which I've set for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the what? Tenth of thee. Notice here, Jacob responded to God's presence, God's protection, God's provision by giving him a tenth of what he God would give him. So this was not, listen to me please. So you teach tithing and you're putting people under the law? No. Abraham and Jacob lived before the law was ever given. The law was given by Moses 400 years later. Here we find Abraham, our response to God's salvation deliverance, surely I'll give you a tenth of all that I got. Jacob says because of God's protection, his provision, and his presence, surely I'll give you a tenth of all. This response, please listen. It was an act of worship. An act of praise and honor and acknowledgement of God for what he's done for him. Is that putting people in the bondage? Not at all. It's the way we show we acknowledge God as the one of all he's done for us. How many would say God's been good to you? And one way we can acknowledge that is by giving him a tenth of that which he's blessed us with. That's examples. Now, let it be. Look at the purpose for tithing. The purpose for tithing. Go to Deuteronomy, please, verse Chapter 14. Deuteronomy chapter 14, please. Again, I'm trying to share with you why I believe that tithe is God's portion, that which he blesses us with. 
out of your income, all of it belongs to God. All of it's come from God. And the way we can acknowledge that and give him back a portion of it, his portion is called the tithe. 10%. It was practiced before the law, but also here is practiced under the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, please, page 304, 304, Deuteronomy 14, verse 22. God said, Thou shalt surely tithe all the increase of thy seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. Verse 23. And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place where, which he shall choose to place his name there, the tithe of the corn, of the wine, of, the, of thy oil, the firstlings of thy herds, and of thy flocks. Why? Read on. That thou mayest learn to what? Fear the Lord thy God always. The purpose for tithing is that God's people might fear the Lord. The word fear does not mean to be afraid of. The word fear has the idea of respect, of reverence, and honor God. God told his people to tithe as a form of respect and reverence to God who owns everything, who provides all things. Respect of God is the owner of all things. Reverence him as a source of all our possessions. And honor God for his ability and faithfulness to provide all our needs. That was the purpose of tithing. Let us see. We saw the Old Testament examples of tithing, the purpose for tithing. Let us see. I believe tithing is the only fair way to give. Tithing is the only fair way to give. You ever heard of Warren Wiersbe? He's one of my favorite Bible teachers on the radio. He said this. Tithing is the only fair way to give. Tithing robs no man. It is fair to the rich and poor alike. It permits all men to give and receive God's blessings. It is not the portion, but the proportion that God seeks. This is the only way there could be equality of giving, mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14. God does not send more blessings on the person who gives 10% of $1,000 than he does a, a person who gives 10% of $100. The person who opposes tithing is a person, uh, opposing the only fair way of giving. Can I just be transparent with you? As a pastor employee of First Baptist Church, this church pays us twice a month. And the first thing we do when we get our paycheck is we take 10% right off the top and set aside for God. Before we pay our bills, before we buy our groceries, before we do any saving or buy anything, well, we give God his portion. And that's our way of honoring him for all he's done for us. I believe tithing is God's portion of giving in the church today. Number three, here's the third leaf of the four-leaf clover that brings God's blessing. The first leaf, God's purpose for giving. The second leaf, God's portion of giving. And number three, God's plan in giving in the church. God's plan. Go with me now to the New Testament, please. In 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, please. Page 1621, if you're using a church Bible. Again, we're talking about the principle of giving in the church. We saw God's purpose, his portion. Now we have a detailed plan of giving in the church. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1, please. In verse 1, Paul is speaking now to the church of Corinth. 
He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. In other words, there's plan he gave the churches of Galatia, he founded there, but also the church of Corinth as a plan of giving. And verse 2, look what he says. Here's the plan. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So the first plan, letter A, is about when are we to give? This plan answers when are we to give. And it says here, upon the first day of the week, on Sunday, the day they set aside to worship God, they worshiped on Sunday because that's the day Christ rose from the dead. Basically, on the first day of the week, when you gather together for worship, that's when you should give. When are we to give? The first day of the week. Next, who should give? In this plan, who should give? He goes on to say, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you. Giving is, not a, giving is to be a unified activity with each one participating regardless of the income. Whether you're poor or rich, he said, let every one of you. The third part of this plan, when are we to give? Who should give? And let, let her see, where are we to give? Where are we to give? He goes on to say, let every one of you lay by him in store. The word store there talks about the storehouse. In the Old Testament, Malachi 3.10, bring ye all your tithes into the storehouse that may be meet in my house. That was the Jewish temple where God, they came to worship. In the New Testament today is where believers gather together for fellowship and worship. You read about that in Acts 4.35. So the where we're to give is at the church. The body of Christ, when we gather together to worship God, on the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by in store. And how are we to give? It concludes by saying, as God has prospered you. That's how. So as God prospers us, increases his blessings of income, we are to increase doing the same. Now, please listen. Again, I use my personal testimony, but I believe this is the right thing to do. We set aside of our income, first of all, God's part. We believe the tithe, by the way, it all belongs to God. But the belief, we believe that is God's portion. We do not use our tithe to give to missions. We do not use our tithe to give to other ministries. We do not use our tithe to help people in need. That's God's part. The tithe goes to the church. Now, we give over and above the tithe to faith promise. We do that. We do not use our tithe to do that. We use over and above that. So I believe the tithe belongs to God. It goes to the church. If you want to give to missions, that's over and above the tithe. You want to give to other parachurch ministries, that's over and above the tithe. If you want to get a people need, over and above the tithe. If the church takes up a love offering, it's over and above the tithe. The tithe belongs to God. And that's his part. And so I encourage you, that's God's portion. But his plan there is made quite clear. Number four. Number four, here is the fourth leaf of the four-leaf clover. We saw God's purpose, God's portion, God's plan. I love this part, God's promise. God's promise when giving in the church. God's promise. First of all, look at the promises to God's people in the Old and New Testament. Most of you are familiar with these verses, but it's a reminder of his promises. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, 
it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. Basically, saying here, the substance we have, it belongs to God, that he's a source of, it gives to us. I'm to honor him with that and give him the first fruits. Now, I believe the first fruits is the first pickings. This not talking about finances here. talking about the crops. Then they planted the crop when they did the harvest. The first part went to God. Before they did anything else, before their own needs, they gave God his part. And basically, that's how they honored him. And look at the promise when they did that. Verse 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. God says, you honor me with your tithe of your, uh, of your crops. I'll see to it that you always have enough. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Another promise given to his people in the Old Testament. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord, if I will not open you windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you shall not receive, have room enough to receive it. Wow. Again, a promise to God's people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Luke chapter 6. Again, you're familiar with this verse. But it's on the screen. Luke 6, 38. It says, give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Good measure, pressed down. Shaken together, running over, shall men give in your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, wherewithal shall be measured to you again. Basically, these are promises of God in the Old Testament. Say, Wait a minute, Pastor. That's not to the church. It's to the Old Testament. But I'm glad you said that. What can we learn from these truths? Look on the screen, please. Romans 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. Paul said, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our what? What he's saying here, all of the Old Testament scriptures, listen please, may not be written to us, but they're written for us. They're for our learning. Why? That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. I don't know about you, I have find great comfort and great hope knowing that when I give to God, he's going to bless me that he'll provide for my needs. So what can we learn? Though these are not written specifically to the church today, there's principles here that we can apply. What can I learn from these truths? Number one, God blesses those who give. How many believe that? How many of you have experienced that? My friend, God blesses those who give. That's his promise in the old. It's throughout the Bible. God does that. Number two, the second thing we learn from these truths. Giving places you in a position to be blessed by God. Giving places you in a position to be blessed by God. Someone said that if you have allowed Satan to persuade you not to tithe or not to give to the Lord, you've allowed him to detour you from the position of God's blessings. My plea to you this morning is start giving and get yourself in a position for the blessings of God to come your way. Number three, the third thing we can learn from these truths. Not only God blesses those who give, giving places you in a position to be blessed by God. And number three, God wants to bless you, but he will not when you violate his principles. God wants to bless you, but you will not, he will not when you violate his principles. All the promises of God we saw there are when people give. 
a verse many people take out of context. And they go through hard times. The Bible says, my God should supply all your need according to his riches. Now, please listen. The context there is when you give. So if you're not giving, you cannot claim that promise. These are promises God get, uh, gives those when we give. He is able and he is uh, faithful in providing our needs. So I say to you, put, your, put God to the test. Honor him and watch what he does. God will bless you. For the, for the sake of those who have not yet learned that, for those of you that have experienced God's blessing when you give, would you say amen? amen? My friend, God's not a respecter of persons. If he'd done it for them, the Bible had done it for him, he'd do it for you. But you need to step out on faith and honor God. So, real quickly, look at this, and we'll close one more verse. We saw God's purpose. There's God's four-leaf clover, not for good luck, but for blessing. We saw God's purpose. God's portion, God's plan, and God's promise when giving in the church. So my encouragement, look on the screen, please. My encouragement to you is to accept God's purpose for giving by setting aside his portion and follow his plan all the while claiming his promise. Can I say that again? My encouragement to you is accept God's purpose for giving by setting aside his portion and following his plan all the while claiming his promise. Go with me now, please. One more verse. Go with me now to Psalm 49, please. And we'll close with this. Psalm 49. My wife and I, last week, were talking about my message. And I told her, I said, Honey, I, though... I know this is part of God's word. He said, I, I, I'm always nervous when I talk about giving. And the reason why, I don't want any, anyone to misunderstand. And uh, I don't talk about giving. In fact, it's been years since I've spoken about giving. But how many realize many churches talk about it every week? Many radio, uh, TV evangelists talk about it every time. And sometimes people can get very negative towards that. So I don't want you to get negative towards me, but I, my job as a pastor is to preach the whole counsel of God's word. Amen. And this is what the Bible teaches. I don't want you to miss out on that. But so many people today think by giving, they can earn or merit God's favor. They think they can purchase their way to heaven by giving. Whether giving of their finances, giving of the heart, giving of the life. I got to give something to go to heaven. I'm so glad the gospel is not a message of you giving. It's a message of what he gave. He gave his life that you might be saved. But look here in Psalm 49. It speaks of the rich man who's trusting in his riches to get to heaven. Look what he says. Psalm 49, verse 6, page 857. They that trust in their what? Wealth. And boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. Verse 7. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. Verse 8, for the redemption of the soul is precious, it ceases forever. Look up here, please. What he's saying here, there are many people, especially the rich people, that think that my giving, they trust in their giving, their wealth as a means to get to heaven. And God says none of them can by any means redeem you. My friend, the redemption of our soul is precious because it's the precious blood of Christ. We're not redeemed by things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
What purchased our way to heaven? Jesus Christ did and is shed blood on the cross. And we can go to heaven not because of anything that we give or can give, but rather what God gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us and might redeem from all iniquity. So I'm going to heaven, not because I've given anything to God, but I receive what he's given to me. But to as many as received him, to them gave it the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you're here today and you never trusted Christ, forget about the giving. Receive. Receive what Christ done for you. And thereby you can go to heaven. But once you're saved, my friend, now God wants you to honor him. And you can honor him by understanding his purpose, his plan, his portion, and his promise. And I encourage you to step out of faith and take advantage of that in your life. That's his four-leaf clover, not for good luck, but for blessing. Let's bow together, please. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my message today was primarily for the believer, for those of you that know Christ of how to have God's blessing on your life in the midst of difficult times. We saw the purpose for giving is acknowledging God as the owner of all we possess, acknowledging him as a source of all that we have, to prove and demonstrate our love to him, and also to show our dependence upon his ability and his faithfulness. My friend, if you give, God is able. He's able to see that you have all sufficiency in all things. But you must step out on faith and act upon that. You must give to him and watch him give in return. Give, and it shall be given unto you. The promise that God shall supply all your need according to his riches is if you give. And I encourage you, especially when times get tight and inflation gets worse and worse, and our money seems to get less and less. My friend, step out on faith. Honor God. And watch him provide. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, lay aside the message I had the last 40 minutes. The idea of giving, lay that aside. God doesn't want you to give anything. God wants you to receive. Receive the payment Christ made for you on the cross. And trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior. My friend, Jesus loves you. He loved you so much he died for you on the cross. He made a payment for all your sin. He was buried and rose again. And he offers you the gift of eternal life at his expense. And your part is to, by faith, receive the payment he made for you and trust Christ and him alone as your only means for heaven. If you have never done that before, why not do it right now? Why not receive God's gift, free gift of eternal life? Say, Pastor, boy, I'd like to do that. Then why not tell God that? Why not talk to God in your own thoughts and maybe say something like this as you talk to him. Say, dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I believe that Jesus, your son, was punished in my place. The judgment that I deserve, Jesus took upon himself. And there on the cross, he suffered and bled and died for my sin was buried and rose again. And right here today, realizing I cannot save myself, I'm trusting Christ. I'm trusting Christ to forgive me, to cleanse me and give me a home in heaven. 
I'm trusting Christ as my Savior right here today. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, my friend, did you trust Christ as your Savior? Did you do that today for the first time? If you did, i like to know that. i like to pray for those who made that decision. i like to uh, include you in my closing prayer. My prayer doesn't save you. I just want to rejoice with you and pray for you. But if you made that decision today, you trusted Christ as Savior with heads bowed and eyes are closed, I'm not going to put you on the spot or have you forward. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. If that made sense to you and you trusted Christ, would you indicate that some people raise your hand this morning? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ. Would you pray for me? Anyone at all today? Here's my hand, Pastor. I trusted Christ. Please pray for me. Father in heaven, I hope that means each one here has already made that decision. And as your children, Father, we have the great joy and privilege to honor you, that which you bless us with. And Father, in hard times, to knowing that, we, that you're able to supply our needs, we, we find great hope and joy in that. So Father, I pray we would always be found faithful in giving you the portion of that which you bless us with, to honor you with a tithe and watch you work in our behalf to provide all our needs. Thank you for being faithful to us. Help us to always be faithful to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.